We here are all such innovative people. So I am telling you, if you want to change the world, you're at Georgia Tech. You can do that. If you want to build the Iron Man suit, you're at Georgia Tech. You can do that. If you want to play theme music during your convocation speech like a badass, we're at Georgia Tech. We can do that. I am doing that. And we are doing this. This is the podcast known as What's the Good Word? It's a podcast about Georgia Tech athletics by Georgia Tech alum and fans for Georgia Tech alum and fans. My name is Steven. I am the alum. His name is Joshua. He is the fan. Joshua, what's the good word? That sucked, Steven. That's the good word. That's not a good word. That's a bad word. It's what's the bad. good word? Well, hell is a pretty bad word, too, but the good word is to hell with Georgia. Yeah. So we're sitting here. We are recording this on Tuesday night at 10.55 p.m., the 6th of February, after the debacle the massacre at McCamish, known as the Georgia Tech men's basketball game against Wake Forest. Um, I'm glad I was not able to watch it. I was at work. Yes, yeah, so you were at work. Uh, I had I turned it off after the first part of the second half, as probably most of our listeners did if they were watching. Uh, so, friend, a couple of friends of show I was talking to. We we all just we left that. So here's the deal. Joshua and I normally talk ahead of shows. We try to bring as much news to you as we can. We try to keep you informed across all different Georgia Tech athletics, and we try to go a little more in-depth of the sport that's happening, uh, one of the main sports that's happening that we're trying to track as much as we can. We try to meet ahead of show and, hey, you want to talk about this, want to talk about that. This has been such a tough week that we just said, let's just turn on the mic and just start ranting or just start talking or just start covering stuff. So this is either going to turn into a three-hour debacle, which unfortunately we've seen so many debacles the last two, the last week. Debacle. We don't want to see another uh, debacle. Yeah. I like, I'm now going to say the word debacle. Everybody take a shot every time Steven says debacle, (laughs) unless you're driving. Yeah. Please don't do that. So speaking of taking a shot, uh, that's what we did not do. We took them. We just didn't hit any tonight. So I missed the hole. So we'll talk about basketball. So why don't before we get into basketball, why don't we cover a couple of pieces of news? Um, Joshua, it does need to be acknowledged. Oh, of course, it always has to be acknowledged. And it's now that time of year for Georgia Tech uh, former player uh, Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns, we acknowledge you as tribal chief. He's heading into WrestleMania. We'll see if he faces Cody or his. Is Rock his cousin? Yes. Okay. Uh, the NOI, uh, NOI family. How, how do you say that? NOI. I NOI. Yeah. It's a large family. I'm yeah. not sure how they're all related, but in some way they are. Yeah. So we that's our only joy right now is Roman Reigns. We're still acknowledging you as champ. I do want to acknowledge that the uh, last time we talked about the men's tennis team off to a good start. Unfortunately, they dropped their version of clean old-fashioned hate in Athens. They did get two wins, but they lost uh, that match with the University of Georgia. However, the Lady Jackets team is now ranked. They are ranked number 23 in the nation. Their latest match, they did defeat uh, Northwestern 4-3. to three. They had dropped the early doubles point, but they rallied back in singles action to capture a 4-3 win over Northwestern. And the results, they like I said, they had uh, lost the first one, but... Um, actually, first doubles match, Carol Lee and Kate Sherabura won their match. They lost the second, uh, the second doubles team lost, and then 
in singles competition. Carol Lee won. Alejandra Cruz won her match. Uh, Given Roach won her match. Kate Cherubura won her match. So four singles victories helped secure that 4-3 win uh, for the Lady Jackets. So kudos to them for being ranked overall as a team and off to a good start facing some stiff competition. So we wish them luck as their season continues. Joshua, you have a little bit of football news, I believe. I do. I have a couple things that I wanted to talk about, actually, Stephen, and they're both very relatively small, but just updates. Um, for one, Georgia Tech, I believe we mentioned it on the show, but Trinilius Tatum did pull his name out of the portal. Mm-hmm. Uh, most everybody else in the portal from the Jackets have found their latest destination. The only two off the top of the head are safety Sarad Bryant and linebacker Tyson Mygaze. I believe how you say his name. I'm not 100% sure, but... Um, everybody has destinations and we will be covering the portal when it opens in the spring again, after the spring game. Um, I imagine tech will grab a couple of people partially because they have completely turned over their defensive, um, coaching staff and the final turnover happened today. Um, safety or safety's coach, secondary's coach, Corey peoples is now at Georgia tech. He comes over from Georgia state where he was the pass game and secondary pass game coordinator, secondary coach. Um, he's from the NFL. He, he played in the NFL. He's Georgia Southern, Albany State, South Carolina State, Charleston Southern, 10-year coaching career. He's been around for quite a while. Hmm. Um, he rounds out the defensive um, the defensive staff where Tyler Santucci is the new defensive coordinator. Uh, Jess Simpson will be the defensive line coach. And then Kyle Pope from Memphis is the linebackers and edge coaches. While Kevin Scherer, Marco Coleman, Andrew Thacker, and Traveris Tillman remain on the roster currently. This is from 24-7. They currently are on the roster. Once their contracts expire, they likely will be removed. So unfortunately, sad to see some of those guys go because they were quite, um, especially Traveris Tillman and uh, Marco Coleman, there was glowing reports about their abilities. Hmm. So it's unfortunate to see them go, but... Uh, we will wish them nothing but the best if and when they do end up leaving. Maybe they'll go off field. Who knows? Yeah. Um, but on top of that, I wanted to say baseball season is starting up in about a month or two. Mm-hmm. And I want to just remind everybody to no, look at it's, it's a month. It's, it's in a month. starting in a month. Uh, just look out for some former Yellow Jackets in the major leagues because as of now, there are five of them on major league rosters. Obviously, Joey Bart, a f- number two overall pick with the San Francisco Giants. He's hasn't been great but he still has a job. Uh, you also have Charlie Blackman, who's still chugging along out in Colorado. Charlie Blackman! Xavion uh, Curry with Cleveland. He has established himself a little role. And then you've got Buck Farmer and Amos Willingham. But the ones that I'm most excited about, because this is my kind of area of expertise, um, are the prospects. Specifically, Justin Henry Malloy and Chandler Simpson are two mm-hmm. guys I expect to have pretty big size. Justin Henry Malloy if it were up to me, would already be in the major leagues. I don't see why he shouldn't be. And Chandler Simpson last year was neck and neck with Victor Scott II for the overall minor league stolen base lead. He ended up with over 90. I believe you had a chance to try I, and invite him on the podcast. I did. I also met him. He got to tell him about the podcast. Um, still trying to get that interview. So, Chandler, Chan- if you're listening, please uh, hit me up. I hope he is. I hope we, so, too. We'd love to interview you, Chandler. Uh, but other guys to keep in mind, Zach Maxwell, a former pitcher. He's with the Reds, trying to make it as a reliever now in pro ball. Luke Waddell, likely going to be in Gwinnett for mm-hmm. the Atlanta Braves, mm-hmm. uh, partially because there are not a ton of uh, – guys left in the brave system who are hitters at the triple a level but also because he's played pretty well for them uh and then the other one tristan english after some injury problems he was absolutely raking 
for the Diamondbacks last year in both AA and AAA, so he could be knocking on the door of the majors as well. So just guys to keep in mind, keep uh, keep them in your thoughts, and when they pop up in the major leagues, go, hey, I know that guy. Hey, I know that guy. <laughs> um, we uh, also, speaking of baseball, and I thought you were talking about the Tech baseball team, of course, do want to? I want to give a little bit of update. We had talked about the clean old-fashioned hate weekend series, the Friday game uh, at uh, downtown at Tech, the Saturday game at uh, over in the Devil's Playground in Athens, and then Sunday at Cool Ray, mm-hmm. uh, I believe was. And I didn't have that in front of me, but that's that's coming up here in March. We talked about it at length on the last episode. The other thing that just got announced right after our last show. So this is the first time where you you may have heard about it, but we're going to talk about it. The spring white and gold game has been announced for April the 13th. That of course is free. And the uh, white and gold game is set to happen, I believe at six o'clock. So the cool thing is on that Saturday at noon, Georgia Tech men's tennis hosts Virginia at noon. Softball has a game against Louisville at two, and baseball takes on Virginia Tech at four, all at home. And then you have the white and gold game. So what a great opportunity to go watch uh, all the spring sports and then watch the spring uh, football game uh, on on Saturday the 13th. So just make a day of it uh, down at the flats uh, and enjoy Tech athletics and many different sports uh, all playing at home that day. So that'll be a good thing. The other piece of news that I did want to bring up is the women now stand at 14 and 9, 5 and 6 in the conference. Had a rough week. Uh, when we went off the air last week, we talked about how they had uh, two upcoming games. They were playing Notre Dame at home. That did not go well. Lost that game 85 to 48. However, give the Lady Jackets credit, they have been bouncing back. So they traveled to Wake Forest on Sunday the 4th, and they beat Wake Forest on the road, 58-55. So the Lady Jackets now stand at 5-6 and six in the conference, and like I said, they have an overall record of 14-9. Uh, and nine. So, you know, it's, it's, it's going. At, at least they've got a few more bright spots than we do at this point. Uh, the men, sorry, not we, the men do. <laughs> Say it could point. be worse. You could right, be Josh, three and eight in the conference. Yeah, we've we've put it off as long as we can. We need to talk about the last two games. Um, I, I do actually, we have the, to? Well, no, we actually don't. We could end the show right, right here and night, pretend boys. they didn't happen. Have a good one. So, um, peace, love, and positivity. Yeah. So, when we ended the show, when last we met, uh, and we were talking <laughs> last time on Dragon Ball Z. Yeah, no, last time on who? What's the good word? We were. We were riding uh, at the top of the mountain. We were dining with kings and queens and talking about how we had knocked off North Carolina. We had played our best game of the year, second only to the Duke game and the Mississippi State game. And, you know, we we had our third win against AP top 25 teams. During the NC State game, they were mentioning, so let's just say the positive because nothing else is going to be positive tonight. The only other ACC team this year to have three wins over AP top 25 teams is North Carolina. We we have more wins against AP top 25 teams than, and by the way, North Carolina doesn't have more. They have three. 
we we're tied for first in the ACC. I'm not entirely unconvinced that if they just put us in the NCAA tournament, we wouldn't make some crazy run to the Elite Eight. If, we'd be if we played well, if we played, we'd well. be playing ranked teams yeah. because that's apparently the only time we show up. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, so here we as go. As you said, we were dining with kings and clean queens, and after this week, we we're sleeping in alleys and dining on pork and beans. Yeah, exactly. Um, Georgia Tech on Saturday against NC State. It was a typical Georgia Tech game against a mid-tier ACC team. Uh, going into the half, Georgia Tech was up one. It was a close game. And then there was about a seven, eight-minute stretch where Tech couldn't throw it in the ocean. They seemed to forget how to play defense. NC State took advantage, and they ended up bringing out the win 82-76. to 76. I distinctly remember turning it on while I was at work um, and because I was on my break, and I was like, you know, it's a close game. Let me watch a little bit. And right when I turned it on, NC State went on a run. They were up about 10, and I distinctly remember a play where Georgia Tech turned the ball over. In transition, three Tech guys were back in the frame, and NC State got a wide-open layup because Kyle Sturdivant wasn't looking at the ball. Tafar Gapare and the other guy who I cannot remember who it was were both jogging back, mm-hmm. and that was kind of the vibe of that game. Uh, notable performers was really Miles Kelly had 20 points and 10 rebounds on eight of 13 shooting his best scoring game. At least Nate George had 18 and five on five of 12. And that's about it. By Dongo only had five and seven on one of five. Kyle Sturdivant had nine, but on nine shots, Tyjon Claude had five and eight Tafarga Parry had seven and five, but nobody really doing anything crazy. Although Tafara did have his typical three blocks. So before we get to the second game, you you nailed it. This this game, the NC State game, we actually had a bad stretch in the first half, and we closed out that half really strong. Uh, hitting shots, actually played some pretty decent defense. Um, and then we came out in the second half and just – we had a very good start. We got like six points or eight points in the first couple minutes, and then we just went dry. and. This wasn't earlier in the season where we just missed open shots. We could not move. We stopped moving the ball. We stopped cutting. We stopped running any plays. We went to one-on-one or, you know, go off a screen. And, and I got to give NC State a lot of credit. I, I'm, I am getting tired of watching us play teams who play really good man-to-man defense without fouling. And then watching our effort on the defensive end, it is massively different. We leave guys white. Yeah, so that, I'm going to talk more about that after we talk about the debacle, the, the massacre at McCamish. But it, it, yeah, it just we we couldn't throw it in the ocean. And it, NC State was playing really good defense. Um, I love By. I like his upside, but we're starting to get pushed around, and we're not really pushing back, um, partially because we're kind of skinny. Um, but yeah, it it, uh, it was tough. It was tough to yeah. it, we we play it, it. That was the more indicative tech game where we kind of fight, but you know we don't have we have a bad stretch and we just can't we can't do we can't execute enough and we don't play good enough defense. Yeah, so that hurt us. The majority of NC State's points came from DJ Horn and one of their other guards who had twenty one points. And then you also had fifteen from. The other guard and everybody else was kind of I don't know. It Tech seems to do that. They're also the main scorers on on some of these teams. They tend to have their big games against Georgia Tech. From um, Caleb Blackshear's brother 
uh-huh. to DJ Horn to I believe we got a 30 bomb dropped on us by somebody to the kid of Virginia who just kept hitting threes. I mean, it there seems to be we seem to be some of these guys best nights. And it's not because of bad luck. It's because of bad defense. So the Virginia guy, in all fairness. Okay, that he was. There were some prayers. But he also got hot because he was open. And so it's a chicken or egg. The debacle. The the massacre at McCamish. The, I I don't know. I can't come up with that on the fly. Um, Wake Forest came to McCamish Pavilion. And Wake Forest is not anything to write home about. They're not a bad team. They're not a good team. They're just a team. And Georgia Tech certainly didn't play like they were just a team. They they it was um uh, eighty to fifty one. We're recording this the night after it happened. So oh, the night of, yeah, the night of. So you you it is it is fresh in your mind. Uh, it was forty six to twenty at half. Now it was thirty four thirty one in the second half. So Tech at least scored more points in the second uh, half. No, we were down <laughs> I think thirty five at one point in the second half. They put their scrubs in. We really did not and I'm, I'm so. just i'm just looking for for positives um miles kelly was held scoreless for the game uh koasi reeves was one of nine he hit the first three to start the game and that's it um tafar gapari was two for nine and oh of three on his three pointers um one for four from kyle sturdivance two for five from amari abram who did get to play 10 points uh, 12 points and 14 points from the freshman Nate George and Bayan Dongo, respectfully. Although it was on four of 13 shooting from Nate George, he did add five rebounds and seven assists, though. Um, just not much to write. I mean, Wake Forest shot 46% from the field and 24% from three. Georgia Tech shot 28% from the field and everybody close your ears, 13% from three point range. It is hard to win basketball games doing that, Stevie. Georgia Tech started one for 21 from the field. Um, Wake Wake Forest started getting anything they wanted from the very beginning. They they pushed the ball, and we we had trouble getting back. We had trouble with very basic cuts by their big men. They would give it into the post. The other big man would cut to the basket, and he'd get a easy six foot pass and hit a layup. Um, they didn't need a lot of offense. They didn't get a lot of offensive rebounds because they didn't need to, because they shot over 50% most of the night. There was a, you talked about the indicative play of the NC state game, the indicative play for me in the wake forest game at one point, I think it was early in the second half. It, it probably was one of the last straws to make me turn off the game. Um, their guard, Boopy Miller, gets a rebound, and he starts pushing the ball. Now, they're, earlier in the game, he was pushing the ball and just beating everybody down the court or kind of in chaos. He he is driving – actually, I'm sorry, it wasn't Miller. It was Salas, I believe. So he's driving, and we have three guys back, and they're all back, and they get with him in the lane. They're not trailing. They're with him. And this isn't he jumped over everybody. This isn't his amazing athleticism, although he is a great player. He just kind of drove to the basket, made a little, you know, used his body to hold one guy off and got the shot off and hit a layup against three of our defenders. Yikes. And it it really, it, it just was so indicative of a lack of effort, mm-hmm. a lack of togetherness, a, it just... There was you you always you everybody can lay a stinker and our Cincinnati game was our stinker, but this was worse than just oh we had a bad night. There there was there were way too many easy 
possessions for Wake Forest. That Wake Forest should not be running us out of the gym. No, and they're not that's, that good. And that's what they did. Yeah, it it's the first time this season that I feel like it's sort of I don't want to say indicative, but it, it this one I I it's more sort of like why is Damon, why does this keep happening? Yes. You know, and I don't want to blame just that guy. I hate blaming just one guy, but I feel like we've given him some leeway. Uh, especially since he's a first-year coach with the program, especially since he hasn't been a head coach in a while. But there's a certain point of like, you know, you you're, you were in the NBA, but you've been around basketball basically your entire life. You're telling me that you can't get your players up to play for a game against Wake Forest? I mean, I, I'm really getting tired of the fits and starts. I'm, I'm really getting tired of watching this team play really well against really good teams tired of watching us beat Clemson on their home floor and beat Duke and UNC and go on the run in the diamond head classic. And then I'm also getting tired of right after all that, watching us lose to Notre Dame and get run out of the gym by wake forest and get crushed by Virginia when Virginia's on the road and they haven't won on the road all year. I, I don't know what's going on in the locker room because I'm not there. We're not there. We can't say if he's lost it or not. But it's really starting to look like his messaging, at least with this group of players, is not getting through or something's going on. He's just he's not he's not getting what he needs to get out of these guys. And it's frustrating because you see the 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 90th percentile outcome of this team, which is a team that can hang with anybody. The problem is a little too often, especially recently, you're seeing the 15th percentile outcome of this team. And that's a team that no one really wants to watch. Yeah, I, I and again, I want to be as clear as I can be. I am still a a Damon Stoudemire fan. I still, I certainly think he deserves time and energy, uh, or time to kind of. I'm sorry, energy. It's late. Okay, um, <laughs> I need energy, I, and I hope this is a blip. Um, although this is now the third game this season, I'd say the UMass Lowell game. We didn't get blown out, but there's no way we should have lost that game. And then the Cincinnati game in this game. You've had three turds that you've laid this season. I think every team has allowed at least one, and teams that are building and all that, you can argue maybe two. But this is now the third one. What what bothers me, I, I said this to Joshua before we went on the air, and I want to be very careful. I, I do not consider myself an expert or anything like that. I, I did do some coaching. I didn't never coached higher than JV level. I never assisted higher than varsity level. I've I've coached various rec and some school teams at very low levels. But the number one job you have as a coach, of course, my, I believe number one job is to make any player that comes in that wants to, you try to help them be better. You also try to set your team up and put them in places where they can succeed. The one thing I liked about Passner was he gave his team a chance to succeed. Even if I didn't agree with what he was doing, I could see what he was trying. He was trying to set his team up for success with a game plan, with the way they play defense, with holding the ball, you know, shortening the game by holding the ball, all that kind of stuff. So that's one of the things. But here's, I think, the most important thing. The coach's job is to make sure the team is the effort is the coach's job. You, it is your job as the coach to make sure your team is in the right place to always give you the best effort. And if you have those games where they're not giving you effort, you're running the danger of losing the team. You either lost them for a game 
or you're in danger of losing them outright. And you got to, and your job as the coach is to get it back. Do you make them run, you know, crazy wind sprints? Do you, do you bring them all together? Do you have a team meeting? You know, all those kinds of things. You got to make sure the team always gives you effort. Um, and get that come to Jesus meeting. Yeah. And, and that's what bothers me is the NC state game. You go through a bad stretch. This was one of the few times I, I, I saw a lack of effort. I, yeah. I, I saw, I saw just kind of hanging their head and I, it, it bothers me. It really bothers me. Now to sum it up. Yes. Damon needs, has some stuff he needs to improve on, but guess what? It's because it's not like he's a tenured head coach. It's not like he's been around this as a head coach forever and ever and ever. He is still learning to an extent, especially in the new – because even when he was a head coach at Pacific like two, three years ago, the college basketball landscape is very different from when it was, what it was then. So he deserves leeway, and I'm willing to give him leeway. But there is some things where I'm like, why – this is still a thing? Like we're still working on this now? Like I – I would have figured that a team rebuilding and going through such a massive facelift would at least be giving effort, I guess, is part of my frustration is like, if you think you're, if you know you're a, some somewhat of a talent deficiency and you know you're rebuilding from, from the ground up, at the minimum, you'll be getting effort from your players. And 95% of the time he has, but there's been a couple games where it's like, I, I just don't, I don't, I don't see it. Yeah. I don't see it. And, and listen. Damon Stoudemire is a 14-year NBA veteran. He's he had he did coach at Pacific. He's been an assistant in the NBA. I'm not saying he doesn't know what he's doing. You know, I, I I'm sure he sees that too, and I'm sure he's going to address it. And he's talked about he, he wants the culture to be player led, yes. and he's like I I guess I got to get a little bit more involved. So clearly he, he's he is learning on what works and what doesn't work. Yep. I'm going to, I'm going to give you kudos because you said this in the last uh, episode. And as I watched these last two games, I'm like, man, Joshua absolutely nailed it. We really do not have the number one. I no. mean, it, it's, it is, we haven't glaringly, had, we haven't had a number one since Moses. Yeah. We, it is glaringly obvious that we don't have a number one and uh, you know, I hope miles continues to improve, but he is far from a number one and he's, and you know, we, we've got, we've got some pieces, but we don't have a number one and it's showing, uh, especially in the ACC. All right, here's the other piece. And I'm not going to call it good news. I'm just going to say it's a reality. You now play the next three games. You play Louisville, you play Notre Dame and you play Syracuse. Syracuse Louisville and Notre Dame are both seven and 15. Syracuse is ninth in the conference uh, and is on a two game losing streak. Those are three games that I think are you, you now have a chance as a team to go, Hey, let's go beat people that we should beat. And, you know, I know we're struggling big time, but we gotta, we gotta win. We gotta win. We gotta win some games. You got a chance to win some games. You have won some really great games for this program and you have lost some horrible games and, and lost everything else in between. It seems. It really seems like it's just, they, they can't get up for the boring. It's like it's like the exciting parts of the, the playing on national television against a ranked team with with big time implications. They're they're all for that, but it's the it's the mundane. It's the the Tuesday night game against um, NC State or FSU or like that. That seems to it's just it's it's weird. It's weird. 
That's the, all I have. That's time, weird. AJC had a had a headline. I think it came out today. It said, "Time is starting to run out for this team to make its run." And yeah, I, I think that's kind of we're all waiting for the run. We've seen flashes, and it's like, can you put a run together? Hey, um, with the way that they've played, put them in the ACC tournament. Who knows what this team will do? Well, they'll probably go out in the first round because they'll be playing one of the lower seeds. How about there'll be stakes? Yeah. So <laughs> I don't know. That's the I don't know. I don't know anything about this team. All right. So uh, I think we've come to the end. I think we've had our little rant. Um, let's try not to get too too down. And because there's always baseball, and maybe we got too up when when you know we've won the big games, but but we can't get too down. Take the long term process again. Most of this team is going to come back. We're adding some pieces. There are definitely some things to be excited about or at least to be positive about, including the spring football game uh, on April 13th. So um, if you, you know, if you want to rant and rave, please uh, send us an email, uh, joshuajulian26 at outlook.com. Again, joshuajulian26 at outlook.com. Uh, tell your friends. We we appreciate all the listeners we have. Uh, I'm excited to say, you know, last spring we are we have more than doubled our audience from our first year, and that's staying consistent as we're heading into the spring sports. We thank you guys. We'll obviously take a little time off in the summer or do it just one episode a month, but we thank you guys for sticking with us. We appreciate you listening to us. Um, and if there's something you want us to talk about or something we're not talking about enough, let us know. Uh, but other than that, Joshua, I think we need to be reminded uh, of what this is, what this podcast is all about, and what and what the most important question is. What's the word?